Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The 11 to 1 Show. With Gilmore's Mercedes-Benz Kings Court. Choose from our huge selection of used Mercedes-Benz vehicles. Gilmore's Mercedes-Benz Kings Court. The best in motoring, here for you. This is LMFM's 11 to 1. Sinead Brazel here with you. Hope you're keeping well. Having trouble sleeping? Well, I have an unusual but effective approach to drifting off. I'll get into that shortly. First... Here's Michael Cimbella with Mania. That's a song to get the blood pumping on a Thursday morning. Michael Cimbello, Maniac on LMFM's 11 to 1. Certainly not a song that would help you drift off to sleep. However, if you are having trouble drifting off to sleep, I have just the music that will help you. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I can feel myself falling off to sleep already. (laughs) Apparently, a third of people use rock anthems, I kid you not, rock anthems to help them fall asleep. I know, craziness. Uh, There was an analysis of 225,000 tracks featured on a sleep playlist and they found 31% were artists like Brian Adams... Coldplay, fairly rocking guys, essentially, right? And I'm just thinking, how do people drift off to sleep with this? Researchers at the Centre for Music in the Brain, oh, interesting, uh, in Denmark, they found while some people prefer classical music, many choose to listen to anthemic tunes by Coldplay. Uh, Ed Sheeran's in there as well. Brian Adams as well. Now, look, I'm not, you know... Not really that sort of stuff. I, I jest. I do jest. But rock anthems to fall asleep to. And uh, I'm just thinking, wouldn't that just make you feel pumped? Like you know, Coldplay have some fairly anthemy kind of songs, you know, that would make you sort of want to just go out and kind of go, you know, get up and at it kind of thing. Um, now, Ed Sheeran, they do say perfect by Ed Sheeran. OK, that's a little bit slower. That's a little bit slower. That is getting you off to sleep, I suppose. Uh, but that's really, really unique and, and unusual. To be honest with you, any music at all, any music at all for me in the background, even if it's soothing, you know, the kind of, you know, the way people have whale sounds and 
all that sort of stuff and dolphins and, and, and sea and all that sort of stuff to try and help them go to sleep. No, I would be sitting there listening and being fully alert. My brain just does not work that way. It really doesn't. But there you go. If you are an insomniac, you've heard it here first. Rock anthems. Stick on the rock anthems tonight and you're going to drift off into perfect slumber. Uh, now, uh, going back to the music here. And uh, Speaking of something perfect, here's Pink. Is Pink giving us a much needed confidence boost today with Perfect on LMFM's 11 to 1. Now, hopes are high. I'm very excited. I'm very excited about this, right? Because there's multiple nominations for Irish talent at the British Academy Film Awards. The BAFTAs, the shortlist, is going to be announced at midday, okay, today. And we've got fingers and toes and everything crossed because we're very interested, particularly, well, we don't, we know the Banshees of Inishirin and we know that uh, all the talent involved in that, as well as that Paul Meskell uh, is in the long list there for uh, performance in After Sun uh, for Best Actor. Also, Daryl McCormick, you know him, the, the, he was in uh, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. He was also in, um, Bad Sisters as well. Uh, so he's in the Rising Star nominees as well. He is shortlisted. So there's lots kind of a focus on, on Irish. But the hit Irish language film on Colleen Kuhn is longlisted for best film not in the English language. Its writer-director Colin Barade is also in there for best director. And also they have one for adapted screenplay nominations. So they're on the long list, OK? Long list at the moment. So what happens is at 12 today, they will announce the official nominations. So earlier on, I caught up with uh, writer and director Colin Braid and uh, producer Cleona Nikrelig. She's from Trim in County Meath. Lots of this movie was shot on location here in Meath. I caught up with them earlier this morning to gauge the excitement and nerves level. I'm going to bring you that little chat with them just after these. The 11 to 1 show. With Gilmore's Mercedes-Benz Kingscourt. LMFM. On Colleen Kuhn, the Irish language film partly shot in County Meath in areas including Summerhill, Manalvi, uh, Garlow Cross, Trim and other areas is a beautifully told Irish story and it has received huge commercial and critical success since it was first released last year. The film has made history as it was shortlisted for the Academy Awards for this year's Best International Feature Film category as well as that has been longlisted for three BAFTA nominations. But the makers of the film are waiting with bated breath to see if the film gets nominated. BAFTA nominations are out later today and Oscar nominations will be announced next Tuesday. In celebration of its success, Omniplex Cinemas Nationwide are screening the film again this week. Earlier on, I caught up with a very excited and nervous writer-director Colin Barade and producer Cleona Nikruilig and I started off by asking them how were they feeling this morning? Very good tonight, yeah, just uh, feeling a little bit nervous this morning, you know, but uh, if you go from a mix of being kind of you know, worried and nervous to excited and hopeful. It's just a real, a real bag of emotions, you know. I can imagine. I'd be, I'd be pacing the floor if I was you. I'd be like... <laughs> <laughs> it's been, yeah, it's been very hard to think of anything else, really, this past few months, you know. It's just consumed us the whole... Uh, in this past year, really, you know, like we had a world premiere in February last year in yeah. Berlin and uh, it's hard to believe we're still here talking about the film, you know. It's been such an extraordinary journey, you know. We've, um, we've travelled the world with the film and then, of course, when we were uh, selected by IFTA to represent Ireland in the Oscars in the international category, you know, that, that, was, that was in August last year. So we've, we've been really on the road and com- 
campaigning, you know, both for the BAFTAs and for the, the Oscar since then. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been, been a busy time. It's been a busy time. And, you know, when we spoke last, it was back in May before all this, but you were still kind of soaking up the glory of, of IFTAs and everything else. So talk to me about the campaign part of it, because it, does that make a huge impact, the fact that you guys are, you know, out front and centre in the media talking about it? Um, you know, uh, cinemas like the Omniplex are getting behind it and screening. Does that all have, a, have an impact? Well, yeah, I mean, the film has to has to stay visible, you know, for mm. um, particularly in, in the U.S., like most of the, the voters for the Academy Awards are, are, are based in the U.S. Um, but also, like, there is a, we've obviously been running uh, a BAFTA campaign as well with our U.K. distributor. And, yeah, I mean, it's all based, it's all about keeping the film sort of in the conversation. And um, ultimately, it, it boils down to the voters in, in the, those respective academies actually liking the film and, and casting their vote for it. But but the more you can do to keep the, the film the, the film's profile up and, and, and kind of keep it, you know, keep it alive, as it were, and um, the better, you know, the better for your, your chances. Yeah, well, you've definitely got that box ticked because, my God, for me, it's like the little Irish movie that could. I just, I feel so proud of it. Like, it's fantastic to have an Irish language f- film. Uh, it has no special effects. It's not made in a huge budget. There's no big Hollywood name attached to it. It goes to show, you know, whilst blockbusters definitely have their place and are there to be enjoyed, movies like on Colleen Kuhn can find audiences that really take it to heart. Yeah, I guess, you know, it's, it's- it might be considered a small film, but I suppose its, it's essence is, is big, you know, and it seems to really have connected with audiences. Well, here in Ireland, of course, we, we you know, we got a huge reaction here in Ireland and, uh, you know, broke box office records. You know, we hit, we grossed over. We're still actually, as you, as you said, yeah, we're still playing in cinemas, you know. There, I think there was only a month since May where we, we haven't played in the cinemas yeah. here in Ireland. And, you know, the film was the longest running film in, in the IFI in Dublin and, yeah, it's been it's been extraordinary how audiences have turned out in such huge numbers to see the film, particularly here in here in Ireland. And, and word has then travelled, you know, abroad. And of course, we've been travelling with the film to fest- film festivals all over the world, from Sydney to South Korea, and um, to all over Europe and America as well. And you know, we've just been the reaction has been quite quite similar you know no matter where we go people seem to be really moved by the film and you know people have come up to us crying at the end yeah. of the film and you know it's it's been it's been just an amazing kind of journey for us and it's been lovely to see how audiences have really connected with the film you know and i suppose in a way you know everybody can relate to the film in some yeah. way because everybody has been a child and you know a lot of a lot of people are parents as well so there's the themes that are you know, are, are featured in the film are, are very, very relatable and, uh, you know, people people take something personal kind of from the story in the film. Oh, totally, they do. And I mean, Colm, you came across the, the short story. It's by Fo- it's called Foster by Claire Keegan. Uh, this is where on Colleen, what on Colleen Keane is based on. What was it about the story that struck you and where did you find the story initially? Uh, well, I initially found it, I, I read an article in the Irish Times that, that had it listed as one of the great works of Irish literature this century. And um, I had kind of heard of Foster before, but I, I hadn't read it at that point. And for whatever reason, I just decided that day to go and, and buy, buy Foster. And, um, you know, it's quite short. It's only 85 pages long. So I read it in about, I don't know, 40 minutes or something. And, you know, it just blew me away. Like, I was, I just found it so emotive and so kind of empathetic and uh, compassionate and I just felt very moved by it and, and I, I could see also 
in my mind, I could see a very clear sort of way of of, of translating that to to the big screen. You know, yeah, it, it works so well. Was, in a weird way, I think it was almost like the smallness of of the mm. story that was kind of appealing to me. You know, it's like this yeah. idea that you can that you can take something that's almost like a miniature, but that it can you know through the through its themes and through its sort of emotional weight that it can actually become something really big. You know. Um, so yeah, I was I was kind of drawn to that idea of, of taking a very small story and and sort of believing that an audience would um would would relate to it and would would find something in that. Oh, we totally yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so it's so layered, like it's so layered. I mean, we spoke about this in, in detail back in May. You know, even how scenes are set up, how you know uh, objects, props are used to create so much emotion. There's so much going on in in this. It's so so layered. But I have to talk to you about filming in County Mead. Um, and this is uh, one of the things that everyone is raving about is how gorgeous it looks. Tell me about how um you came to shoot in Mead. Was that important? And also. Talk to me about some of those shots because were you just lucky with lighting because they're just incredible looking. Well, actually, yeah, it's funny. I'm from Mead, you know, originally living in Dublin now, but I'm from near Trim, and and maybe that it's not one of the reasons why we ended up filming there, but it certainly is probably that's why we were drawn to the county, you know, because we had we had kind of done recce for locations in Wicklow and Kildare, and somehow we just ended up in Mead, you know, um, but. Yeah, I guess we we had we have we had an amazing director of photography, Kate McCullough, you know, behind the camera, and she she's actually a, a Mead woman herself from from Gormanston and Mead, um, but she she's just a, a true film artist, you know, and just amazing with lighting and everything, you know, and the locations, you know, gave so much to the film as well. Like, you know, we found two really really extraordinary kind of period fil- uh, farmhouses, you know, near Summerhill and and. Yeah. Um, near in, in Curratown as well so you know they just really added such texture and authenticity to kind of the, the look and the feel of the film you know because th- these these locations were barely changed you know since the 1980s or you know even like the main house that we used the main farmhouse that, that had barely been changed really since the 1950s and it was kind of like, I remember the first day we walked into that location it was like walking into a museum you know it was Brilliant. just so it was just so amazing like so yeah, it was. We were just very lucky. We fell on our feet, and yeah, and we got so lucky with the with the weather as well, Sinead. Yeah. Not like Ireland, Colm. Not like Ireland to I know, cooperate awesome. with you. Because <laughs> yeah. we were we were supposed to film the summer of 2020, um, but obviously COVID uh, got in the way there, so that got, that pushed us back. So we we ended up filming um, in late September of that year, and it just so happened that we got a beautiful kind of Indian summer and yeah. so we so much sunlight and yeah so it looks it almost doesn't look like an Irish film in some ways it's just, it seems so kind of bathed in sunlight and everything that uh people do remark upon that it's like are you sure this is Ireland <laughs> yeah but you see we all remember our childhood in the 80s in Ireland being sunny for some reason so I think that adds to this kind of nostalgia sort of appeal that, that runs through this as well but uh, very quickly talk to me about uh, finding Catherine Clinch who plays a nine-year-old caught oh my goodness she's astounding she's otherworldly was it a long search to find the perfect uh, child to play caught 
Yeah, I think it took us around seven months to wow. find her. You know, we had we'd started out on the road, you know, down in the Munster kind of region, looking in the Gwaltoft areas in Waterford and Cork and Kerry, because the story is set in the southeast in the Gwaltoft of Unrhyne. So we were kind of originally looking for a young actor with the, the Munster dialect of Irish. So, you know, we travelled the length and breadth of Munster and then decided, oh, well, let's just extend our search to Galway and Dublin and see what see what comes up. And yeah, we uh, then, of course, COVID hit and that kind of uh, threw a spanner in the works and uh, we had to go move everything basically kind of online and, and, you know, ask for self-tapes and that. But we put a call out to all the, the Irish language, all the Gwale schools around Ireland. And luckily one day, uh, this amazing tape came in from a young Catherine Clinch from Rathmines in Dublin and... You know, she was just astonishing. Um, we just kind of, we, we felt just even from that first audition tape that she was she was the one. And, and then, you know, of course, we had in-person auditions there, socially distanced um, in-person auditions and, you know, had chemistry reads with the other adult cast and that. And, uh, yeah, it just, it all came together. But, you know, she's, She's just incredible, you know. Oh, she's and, a uh, one to watch. She's a one to watch. I mean, she used to communicate so much without speaking. And, you know, she's just like I say, like she's like this little spectre that moves around the farm at the the, the beginning and things. She's absolutely incredible. And, and that well-deserved win at the IFTAS as well for her. Uh, so speaking of awards, I mentioned it's not long to go now till BAFTAs are announced. Are you going to crack the champagne open? If how, Are we going to hear you uh, all the way <laughs> From Dublin, screaming with the with the with the surprise because I've no doubt it's going to be do well. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, we're we're long listed in three categories. We're we're long listed for the film, not in the English language, and we're long listed for directing and for adapted screenplay at, at the Baftas. So, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sure there'll be a bit of a. A shriek go, will go up if, if we manage to secure a nomination. <laughs> well, I'm thrilled for you both uh, and the talented team who worked on this film. I just have a good feeling about it. We're all behind you, wishing you the very, very best of luck. But for now, thank you so, so much for joining me. Thanks very much, Nate. Oh, fingers crossed. Only a half an hour to go and we will know whether they've been uh, actually nominated or not. But I really hope that they, they get one of the one of the three or not, if not all of the three. Uh, and Colleen Kuhn is back, by the way, in Omniplex Cinemas uh, this week. So if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It is really brilliant, brilliant and well worth a watch. Uh, now, going to take a quick break. We've got music from Dermot Kennedy after these. The 11 to 1 show. Just in, this is news just coming to me. Very, very exciting. Tom Cruise is to make a stop off in Drogheda on his way to shoot a new film in Wicklow. Apparently, the Hollywood star has been a fan of Drogheda United and will be stopping by to meet the players. Now, if I get more news on this, I will share, but it's just coming to me now. Uh, so we'll keep you updated as time goes on with that one. First, it's back to the music now. Here's Dermot Kennedy. Dermot Kennedy, kiss me on LMFM's 11 to 1. Yes, you did. You're right. Message on 0861800658. I did say that Tom Cruise is going to make a stop in Drogheda on his way to shoot a new film in Wicklow. Apparently, the Hollywood star is a big, big fan of Drogheda United and apparently he's going to meet some of the players. So there you go. Now, of course... Something like this is completely fake news. But chances are, if you saw this article online with a fairly convincing photo of Tom Cruise holding up a Drogheda United jersey, you might believe me. 
Sorry, messages, sorry. But it is fake. It's fake. I made it up, okay? According to new research, those in the over 65 age bracket are sharing seven times as many fake news articles on social media, more so than those in the 18 to 29 age bracket. Alarming figures. And so an international project has been set up to tackle this. Local non-profit company Eurov has joined organisations in Sicily, Slovakia and North Macedonia to pool their expertise and support older people to recognise fact from fake and local filmmaker Declan Casty is one of the Irish team who travelled to Sicily to launch uh, this two year project and he's in the studio with me now did you like my fake news story about Tom Cruise I loved it Sinead but uh, <laughs> unfortunately unfortunately you, you, you know you said it's fake very quickly um, there's a lot out there yeah. that you know are not being qualified in that way. Well, I have to kind of, you know, make make sure the standard of LMFM providing, you know, proper factual news is held up. But this is everywhere. Fake news is everywhere, Declan. And it's become, you know, increasingly difficult, as you say, to separate this fake stuff from the facts. And talk to me about the statistics, because I was quite surprised. Seven times as much the over 65 are, are sharing, seven times as much fake news. Yeah, and I, I think the general perception out there is that, um, you know, older people are more likely to fall prone to scams and that. That's not actually true. It's actually the the kind of um, the middle-aged people are more likely to be scammed. Okay. Um, but uh, um, older people are more likely to believe what they read and, and share that. Um, so we were quite astounded. And as somebody who comes from a background in, in journalism, um, I think probably like yourself or anyone else in, in this business, uh, it's increasingly frustrating when uh, you're working with a set of ethics, you know, you're very careful about what you put out there. But then the online space suddenly becomes crowded with absolute rubbish. And, you, yeah. you know, and somebody who knows about fact checking, um, you know, finds it very, very frustrating because, you know, we're, we're careful what we say. Well, do you know, even me saying that fake story caused a pit of anxiety <laughs> in my stomach. <laughs> I was like yeah. imagining John yeah. United getting on the phone to give out to me and everything else. Can I just say that again? It was fake. It was fake. <laughs> Yeah, but I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah, um, and, and and so, I mean, that's one of the reasons that, um, you know, I got involved in, in setting up Eurav. Uh, it's, a, it's a non-profit uh, company and there were a number of us people who work in audiovisual and, and, and media and that uh, who, who'd been kind of coming together and trying to do bits and pieces. Um, and so this was something we were very quickly um, on board with. So it's it's kind of North Macedonia, Slovakia, Sicily and ourselves. So it's kind of right the whole ring of Europe, yeah. basically. Um, and we're we're kind of, uh, you know, in, in an area where it's not quite as rural yeah. <laughs> in the same way as Sicily. When we went and saw what rural Sicily is like, um, literally, we were driving over the bottom of Etna, which is spilling lava out. Like we, were, we were driving at night and there's wow. a red glow of lava coming down the side. And then we ended up on the north coast of Sicily. And uh, it is really like something out of the Godfather. Okay. You know? <laughs> so you're talking completely yeah. remote, picturesque. But before we get into talking about the project, tell me a little bit about uh, the company Eurov. It's a, a member of Media Literacy Ireland. Uh, tell me about this project, as I mentioned, non-profit. Yeah, so so we we, um, we set up uh, literally literally as the pandemic swept across Ireland. Um, so we, we opened for a week and <laughs> closed again for a couple <laughs> of years, you know. So it's been dormant uh, for, for the last while. Uh, so we've now 
kind of kicked off again as the world's opened up again. And we have two projects, one actually with Sonarcha um, oh, clo- yeah. close by, and that's to do with food. But but we're, we're working towards media literacy, we're working on climate action, and we're working on social equity. But it's our audiovisual skills, you know, mm-hmm. me as a filmmaker and then other media professionals. So so it's it's kind of chasing up things that we, we believe in. And we're, we're kind of, um, we're non-profit, like I'm, I'm a volunteer at it. Um, but it's kind of people who've kind of done their stint in media and are yeah. trying to give something back. So it's that whole sense of community media. Um, we'd be very much involved with DCTV, in, in okay. Dublin, for example. Yeah. Um, so so it's kind of reaching out to like-minded people around Europe and, and um, working together on, on things like this. Okay, know? so the guys in Sicily, they conducted this research and you heard about this and, and got on board with them, travelled over there to, to launch this project. So tell me about this project. Uh, it's going to be running over two years and what do you kind of hope to achieve with it? Yeah, so it's it's funded under the, you know Erasmus uh, yes. Erasmus Plus. Most people would know Erasmus as um, you know students traveling yeah. back and forth. But there's a whole section of Erasmus that kind of facilitates organizations getting together and working on these kinds of things. So it's under that Erasmus um, umbrella. And um, over the next two years, we'll have, for example, we'll be taking some senior uh, senior members of our society from the locality over to North Macedonia to do some training. on. I that. can hear them already. They're going, <laughs> sign me up. I, I spread fake news. I want to get involved in this. <laughs> yeah, we'll be looking for, we'll be looking for people um, uh, to come forward and, and come with us to, to North North Macedonia for that, um, and I have to be perfectly honest. It's um, it's Bitola <coughs> is, is the is the place. I didn't know where that was. In the I wouldn't world, have a clue. But it's actually very close to Greece, and I love Greek oh, food. Wow. So <laughs> I'm hoping that the food's going to be similar <laughs> there. You know, um, but they'll be training there, and then those people will be able to come back and kind of act as ambassadors here to try and oh, fantastic. Um, you know spread what they've learned. Um, Factually, yes, because like you mentioned and alluded to earlier on, you know, you're working in the media industry in filmmaking. You know how images can be manipulated, as I kind of mentioned there with with, with Tom Cruise. We mentioned him because there is a kind of a Tom Cruise filter or a kind of effect on TikTok, isn't it? And it looks like the real deal. Yeah, it's uh, you, you've two things. You've deep fakes, and deep fakes are r- literally where. Um, a computer will analyse every kind of movement that Tom, the real Tom uh, Cruise will will make. So get all his facial expressions. And then they make a fake Tom Cruise and then they put the, literally put the words in the in, in the mouth and put the expressions on the face. So wow. uh, on TikTok, for example, uh, there, there's a, a deep fake of Tom Cruise where he's playing golf. And it's brilliant. Playing all sorts it's of things. It's brilliant you know? and famous, yeah. Um, but but that, that could, you know, that's that's for fun and, and it's it's kind of openly, this isn't really Tom Cruise, but that yeah. could just as easily be any world leader, you know, mm-hmm. so so you could literally be watching uh, a world leader saying something and that that isn't the person and they didn't say that. Okay. So that, that's that's deep fakes. And it, look, it's not it's not a new thing. You know, we have we, we, we've all seen Forrest Gump, for example, yes, you know. Yes. Um, so it's not new, but it took a lot of expertise and it took a lot of money to be able to do that in the past and that's no longer the case that can be done quite easily by pretty much anyone with a, with a bit of skill now um, and then the other thing you have are shallow fakes and shallow fakes are where you kind of re-edit existing things of course, and, yeah. and make people say stuff you know and we've seen we've seen that and, and again I think you know young people um, are well used to seeing this yeah. so we you know there's a bit of a, a, a kind of a question mark when you see something um, whereas uh, with, with older people you know, for them, it's magic. Yeah, of course <laughs> for, it for is. a lot, you know. And they're going to go, look at this, look at yeah. Tom Cruise, say he's playing golf, isn't yeah. it fantastic? I know, absolutely, I completely understand. So are you hopeful through this education uh, that it'll have an impact in, in reducing the spread of, of fake news? Yeah, I think, you know, 
what, what we need to do, I suppose, is to is to get the critical thinking going, you know, across society. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think we kind of have a responsibility to start uh, getting to know people in positions of power, getting to know their personalities so that if that person starts saying something that is out of character, we question it, yeah. you know, and we also need to start making sure that we're getting our information from LMFM. Yes, I love it, Declan. <laughs> I love it. And, and, you know, and, and sources that we that we can trust. And, yeah. uh, you know, I personally think that, you know, uh, local and community media has a huge role to play because they're people, you know, they're in the community and, and they're they're trustworthy, you know. Um, but but we, we yeah, the critical thinking caps need to come on and we need to we need to start, um, you know, getting to know the people who are giving us our news so that we know when we hear something that's out of character. Maybe it's not true. Absolutely. And how can people get more information? We, we'll, uh, by the way, follow this project with you. So uh, do keep us updated on the developments and we'll be happy to his- assist you. So how can people get more details? Is there a website or how can people check yeah, out? So you're of E-U-R-A-V, you're of only five words, you're of dot com. Um, is is our website, so we'll be updating that um, with with the project. And the other one uh, is is the climate aware seasonal kitchen. So that's going to be a tasty one. Yeah, that's with Snarty um, here. Um, and and uh, I'll be I'll be in talking be to you hopefully to about that. Absolutely, <laughs> well, we love talking about food in this show as well. Absolutely, Declan, thank you so much for joining us. That's been highly insightful and interesting chat. Thank you so much for coming into us. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. If you want more details, you're of eu or av dot com. The 11 to 1 show. It's a tasty treat that you take to the cinema. It's popcorn day today. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Senator Windows products will help you create a secure, comfortable, energy efficient home you're proud of. Call 0818 On this day in 2013, calcium deposits were discovered on Mars by NASA's Curiosity rover. And today is popcorn day. The original corn was derived from a small grass with kernels not much different to that of wheat. Careful selection generates of breeding has resulted in what we think of today as the corn plant. So, of course, you know, it's the ideal treat to have when you're watching a film. Popcorn Day. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Creating the perfect home is a journey. Let us guide you. Visit our Drada, Dundalk and new Navin showrooms. Discover more at senatorwindows.ie. Now more than ever, schools around the country are working hard to ensure that they can offer education programme that suits all of its students. Ballamacheny College have taken on to do a, an accredited project with ADHD Ireland. They're going to be awarded as an ADHD friendly school. We'll be finding out all about that after 12. The 11 to 1 show. Years and years with King on LMFM's 11 to 1. I have been waiting here with the phone, bated breath, because the BAFTA nominations have been announced. I can tell you, Colin Barade has been nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay and just announced, literally before the song ended, uh, The Quiet Girl and Colleen Kuhn has been nominated as uh, for a BAFTA in the category Film Not in the English Language. Oh my goodness, it is Fantastic. I am so, so thrilled, so thrilled for Colm and for Cleona. Fantastic news. And uh, let's have everything crossed now that they can actually come home with one of those awards. But it is so exciting. Go on, go on, the guys. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Hi, I'm Crossy. 
Madonna is going back on tour for 2023. Fans have been giving out online around the world, though, over the price of some of the tickets. She still hasn't announced an Irish date. Here's the promo video of Madonna announcing a tour with the help of some of her celeb friends, including Amy Schumer. Madonna. Yeah? I dare you. Mm Mm-hmm. To do a world tour and play your greatest hits. Uh-huh. Four decades? 40 years? That's a lot of songs. You think people would come to that show? I'll be there. Yeah. Well, I'll be there. Yeah. Oh, there? yeah. I'm there. There? there? Okay, so the answer is... Yeah. Shakira reportedly found out her husband was cheating on her thanks to an empty strawberry jam jar. When she came back to her house after a work trip, she noticed the jar was empty. Shakira says her kids and husband dislike jam, so put two and two together. Tom Grennan has a brand new podcast. Guests this series will include Roman Kemp, Vicky McClure and Zara McDermott. This week he's chatting to YouTuber Jack. Here's what the podcast is about. Yes, people, welcome to my show. The Tom Grennan phone-in. I've got a phone line. Okay. I'm just going to put my number out there (laughs) and let random people (laughs) call up and ask questions. Do you know how that translates to me, right? You've got a podcast and you can't be bothered to write the questions. So you've just gone, (laughs) I'll just get people to call in. Basically, yeah. (laughs) Line four, who's that? It's uh, Martin Grennan. Who? Martin Grennan. Tom Grennan's father. It's my dad. It's my dad. (laughs) Yes. He loves calling yeah. in on this show, Roman. He does. That's The Buzz. I'm Crossy. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Oh, that sounds like such a fun show. More Buzz on LMFM.ie and with Eddie Caffrey a little later on. Now back to the music. Here's Berlin. Berlin, take my breath away on LMFM's 11 to 1. Now more than ever, schools around the country are working really hard to ensure that they can offer an education programme that suits all of its students. And with this in mind, Ballamakenny College, located here in Drogheda, they have taken part in the ADHD Ireland programme and they're going to be awarded with a flag ceremony in the school in March. So they're going to be an ADHD friendly school. We're going to chat all about this with some of the members of staff from Ballamakenny College after these. The 11 to 1 show. Schools around the country are working hard to ensure that they can offer an education programme that suits all of its students, including those with additional needs. With this in mind, Balmakenny College and Drogheda have embarked on a training programme with ADHD Ireland to improve the education experience for students with ADHD. This project uh, will award them an ADHD-friendly school accreditation from ADHD Ireland and it aims to inform all professionals in education about ADHD and promoting understanding, knowledge, practical strategies to support students. Joining me now to tell us more about the work that they've been doing in the school are Eddie Burke, he's Deputy Principal and the Special Needs Coordinator there. And we also have Nicole Byrne and Nicola Tully who work as Special Needs Assistants in the school. How are you getting on, guys? Thank you so much for coming in. Hi, Sinead. How are you? All good, all good. Now, Eddie, we're going to start off with you first of all. Uh, You know, look, as I mentioned there in the introduction, things have come on so, so much, even since I was in school. You know, it's not that long ago now, Eddie. Uh, (laughs) But there's a huge emphasis. (laughs) It's a huge emphasis now, though, isn't there, on on supporting students, no matter what their needs are in in education. Yeah, and rightfully so. I suppose around 60 years ago or so, there was a new additional education needs model introduced in Ireland. And it kind of moved away from students having to have a report that diagnosed a certain difficulty. It's now a more front-loading model where schools can deliver supports as they see fit based on the priority of students. So I suppose the positive is that 
parents and guardians don't need to always go out there and pay what can be expensive money required for reports. Schools can work around that now to deliver the supports, be it from an SNA or from learning support or resource teaching in the school. So I think that's a massive improvement. The difficulty that brings is that schools have challenging decisions to make with the limited resources that they're allocated, they then have to make decisions on who gets the support, where and when. And I suppose that can cause conflict, I suppose, amongst parents and guardians and the school. But from my experience in Ballon College, both work hand in hand very well together to get, deliver the best supports that we can put in place. Fantastic. And, and absolutely. And it's an ongoing issue that needs to be very much tackled by people in government. Uh, but the, the, would you have a lot of students uh, with additional needs that are studying there with you at the college? Yeah, I suppose, again, schools would have based their numbers on reports previously, whereas now it's more done through reports and identification within the school. And most schools would be looking at possibly one in five students having some sort of additional education Wow, one in five, okay. So that could be literacy, numeracy, social skills, two confirmed diagnoses such as dyslexia, dyspraxia, ADHD, um, autism, uh, etc. So that's what you'd be looking at um, across the country. And the supports, I suppose, that we put in place is trying to cater for those. In Ballin McKenney College, we'd have a thousand students. So you'd be looking up to 200 students requiring wow. additional support. OK, one in five. That's really yeah. interesting and important for people to know. So the school signed up to take on this ADHD accreditation programme under ADHD Ireland. You've completed it at this stage. Tell me about this. Why did you decide to sign up and what's involved in it? Yeah, I suppose I, I'll, I'll pass you over to Nicole, who's been the kind of the, the leading person yes. in this. Um, as a school, we're always looking to make developments in in all areas. Um, we pride ourselves on being a student-centred and inclusive environment uh, for a school setting. And we're actively seeking new opportunities. And Nicole um, spotted a gap in terms of staff's understanding of ADHD and acted upon that. And that's, I suppose, where the idea came from. And then, Nicole? Yes. Um, so ADHD Ireland do the accreditation programme. We took on the programme and it aimed to promote awareness among staff, students and um, parents. So each of the bodies, staff, students and parents, did a two-hour training course um, to promote awareness and knowledge of ADHD um, in our school. Fantastic. Okay, so you got everybody involved there. So what was it like? What did you sort of take from from the programme yourself, Nicole? So um, I'm now more aware of ADHD and the strategies we can use with our children now we are more familiar with um, in the school. Fantastic. So you've you've done you've taken on this. Uh, you know, you you would be as well, uh, Eddie. Used to kind of you know d- dealing with students with all different varying yeah. needs, like like N- Nicole and Nicola here, who are at the SNAs in the school. So how would I know that a child had ADHD? What sort of things crop up? What is it? Yeah, I suppose uh, one of the recent webinars that we had um, delivered in the school for all the stakeholders explained it in more detail. That I think enlightened us and highlighted some key areas. So you're basically looking at three types of ADHD. Uh, and that would be inattentive, hyperactive, or a combination of both. Okay. I suppose when you look at the list or the examples, a lot of your listeners will probably be saying, I have that, I have that, I have that. Um, but students with ADHD have that, but in a heightened fashion. And I suppose it's when they tick so many boxes. Obviously, we, we can't diagnose anyone, but it's where psychologists um, or supporting uh, professionals would diagnose that. So in terms of inattentive, It'd be difficult for the student to maybe organise or finish a task, to pay attention to details, uh, to follow instructions or conversations. 
they can be easily distracted and daily routines can be quite tricky as well. Okay. In terms of hyperactive, um, the student might have difficulty where you would notice them fidgeting a lot. Right. Um, and schools be looking to put supports in place for that. There would be a bit of impulsivity as well. Um, they may interrupt others. They may grab grab something at an inappropriate time where it really stands out to someone else that's kind of watching this take place, uh, where the person mightn't be aware of themselves. So there are some of the some of the key, okay. key traits. Okay, the key traits to, to to look out for. Very yeah. interesting. And Nicole, like you're dealing with uh, students of all different varying le- levels of of special needs. Do you feel now more equipped, like that, if a student was to come in with ADHD? feel more that you'd be able to assist them? Yes, definitely. And the strategies can be used not only with children with ADHD, but all um, children in our school because their strategies fit in in every part of school life. Fantastic. And in terms of this, uh, this is very exciting because you guys are going to have a flag raising ceremony. You're going to be known now as being an ADHD uh, friendly school. Uh, Nicola, I'll bring you in on this. Talk to me about that because uh, you had lots of different sponsors involved to support you with regards to the, the programme, didn't you? Yeah, well, um, Nicole decided it would be a great idea that we approach local businesses to see if they'd like to sponsor some prizes. And we'd hold a raffle then for all those parents, staff and students who took part in the accreditation programme, like a little incentive for taking part with it. Uh, we were overwhelmed with the response and generosity of so many local companies. There's too many to mention here today, but we've created a list of them on our various social media channels. So we just want to say thank you so much again to each and every one of them. Uh, the raffles will be held in March during our flag ceremony week and we wish the best of luck to the whole school community who took part in the programme and are now automatically entered into that raffle. It's oh, fantastic. OK, so that's, uh, as you say, definitely another little uh, added incentive. So in terms of Eddie, you know, maybe support, you know, encouraging other schools to, to get on board with this, how would you encourage other maybe principals that might be listening in, in terms of the benefits of this for you? Yeah, I suppose, look, schools have to be careful that they don't take on too much in terms of initiatives and that they also do them for the right reasons. Like we pride ourselves on being a school who take part in these programmes get the accreditation but it's not just a celebration and stops there um, you have to deliver the resources and then the skills and knowledge you've kind of gained from those accreditations and deliver it in a day in day out basis for the future so so schools will need to look at their own settings uh, what resources they have in place look amongst their own staff uh, you may have a staff member who is a parent or guardian of a child with a diagnosis um, I think I've learned the most in my kind of career in terms of additional education needs from SNAs. They are the, they are the front the, the front loading position for supports and Do you know S- what it's great that you've said that yeah. because SNAs like you guys do not get the credit that you deserve and the hard work that you do so it's fantastic to yeah. see your principal supporting you in this way it really is. Yeah, I just, I just think SNAs it's a different observation they have in a classroom environment a teacher is there to deliver just say I suppose in secondary schools towards the junior cycle or the leaving cert they've got a curriculum to get completed with possibly 30 students in the class now they're very conscious of students with additional education needs but they have to take everyone into account yeah SNAs I suppose previously under the old model would have been allocated a certain uh, student to work with that's now and the, the Nicole and Nicola will probably vouch for it as well they're, they're running around the school they're like supporting five or six students in a class they're nice. leaving a class to go support a student go to the toilet they're then going to a supervision like they're being they're being dragged left right and centre and so is anyone out there listening who's uh, of a political irk if the next election's coming up yeah. please ask anyone coming around to your door what are you doing for SNA's paying conditions what are you doing for additional education needs in schools we do hear things like there's a thousand new SNAs um, being inputted in the next year, mm. announced in budgets, but schools are developing and increasing in size. That's only covering that. 
it's not covering the merger. Yeah, and and forward. just as 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 Eddie rightly says there, like I would have totally assumed that you would be assigned, say, to one student, and and that's it. But that's not the case at all. No, we're assigned to the whole class, and we support most children in the class. Um, and, then, and I suppose year on year our numbers are increasing but they don't necessarily give you a bigger allocation of SNA so we're being diluted across the whole school then because our numbers don't increase but the school demands increase Okay. so you're, you're pulling yourself like trying to support as many students as you yeah. can as possible and it's a real tricky one yeah, in, in primary school a student might have got that one on one support yeah. that they need but then they come into a 1000 student populated school and there mightn't be that support available and it's it's cruel, I suppose, in the students' progress and development, mm. but we can only work with the resources that we have. But I can safely say in Ballymacany College, the SNAs go above and beyond. So the resources, they're stretched, but the delivery of what is there is, is exceptional. Fantastic. I mean, like like you said, you know, Nicole came up with the, the idea of yeah. doing this and, and, and here now the, the hard work is going to be rewarded with this flag in March. Uh, so talk to me about that. The mayor is going to come in March, Nicole, yeah? So the mayor is going to come and present us with the flag. Um, we will then present the prizes to the parents, students and staff. Um, over half of our staff did the training, which is wow. a massive, we have over 100 staff yeah. and half of them gave up two hours of the, three hours of their evening to do this training. So we really do have a committed staff and I'd just like to say thank you to all the staff for committing to do that. Um, and that's that's yep. the day. Fantastic. So we'll, we'll, we'll promote that again once it's coming up. But uh, I, I think the work that you've done in the, in the school to support students in this way is, is really fantastic from a parent's point of view as well. It's so reassuring to know that a school is, you know, working to cater to, to all students. I commend you all for, for the work that you've done. But thank you so, so much for, for chatting to me today. Thanks, Thanks so Sinead. Thanks, Thank guys. You. Thanks a million. And we'll keep you updated on that uh, flag raising ceremony, which will be happening in March. The 11 to 1 show. With Gilmore's Mercedes Benz Kingscourt. Choose from our huge selection of used Mercedes Benz vehicles. Gilmore's Mercedes Benz Kingscourt. The best in motoring here for you. The January House Proud Furnishing Sale is now on. Up to 50% off sofas, beds, dining. Oh, the sun is shining out there, so it is a heavenly day. Picture house on LMFM's 11 to 1. Did you promise yourself in 2023 that this would be the year that you would create your dream life? And now, you know, we're pretty much halfway through it and you're kind of thinking... Maybe I shouldn't have set such a lofty ambition. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. Plus, I have all these limiting beliefs in my mind. Well, help is at hand, right? Because you might recall we spoke to this lady, I think it was back in lockdown, I think, in 2020, definitely on the on the show in the past year or two. And uh, her name is Diane. Uh, Diana, sorry. Diana Murfieldine. She's a creative entrepreneur. She's mum to four beautiful da- daughters and she's a life and success coach. So, in less than a year, right, after deep work with her mindset and limiting beliefs, Diana quit her nine to five job, fulfilled her longtime passion and became full time artist and live wedding painter. That's what it was. We were chatting to her about uh, being a live wedding painter, her work, what that was entailed, all of that. But as well as that, she's built prosperous, uh, prosperous creative business. Right. So she's now sharing her knowledge and expertise with everybody. So she's uh, hoping this Friday, tomorrow at 7pm, it's an online workshop. It's called Create Your Dream 2023. Okay, so like I said, if like me, you know, you had lofty ambitions at the start of the year and you're like, 
that's it 2023 it's going to be the dream year I'm going to get everything done well uh, Diana is going to be helping okay so she's doing this tomorrow online at 7pm create your dream 2023 so she says your future 2023 is like a blank canvas on which each thought you experience leaves its mark. The subject uh, you focus on becomes the main theme that appears in the picture of your life. So it's all about kind of working your mindset to go after the big dreams and she's going to share aspects of her own story as well. Okay, you can find her, by the way. She's on Instagram, uh, the D-I-A-R-T, right? So the, the and then D-I-A-R-T. Uh, that's where she is on Instagram. Uh, you can find her there and all the details. But this uh, online uh, workshop and course is going to be happening tomorrow. So... Don't put it off. Go after your dream in 2023. There's Natalie Imbruglia with Torn on LMFM's 11 to 1. Now, we're going to be celebrating a bank holiday soon. I know, exciting. Bank holiday coming up in February, but it is especially dedicated to St. Bridget and Derry Girls star. I love her, Siobhan McSweeney, you know, the, the actress who played the nun in Derry Girls. She will be um, uh, in front of a documentary on RTE1. She's going in search of the real Bridget in the documentary. And uh, the, basically it's um, uh, Siobhan unravelling the tangled threads of fact and folklore to reveal the truth about this elusive goddess, woman and saint and asks what why, in an increasingly secular and diverse Ireland, Bridget's popularity appears to be on the rise. If you want to check it out, it's called Finding Bridget. I'm excited to see it, actually. It's very, it sounds very, very interesting. It's happening on uh, Tuesday, the 31st of January, RTE1 at a quarter past ten. That has me boogie in my seat here and it has me ready for Friday Floor Filler song coming up on tomorrow's show. Don't forget as well, Niall O'Brien will be here talking movies. That's all happening on tomorrow's show. That's my lot for today. Thank you so much to everyone who contributed and to all the guests. Have a great day. Chat to you tomorrow. The 11 to 1 show. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.